It's Carrie. Thank you so much for joining me on this latest episode of Invisible Wounds Healing from Trauma. This is episode 25, and we're going to talk about why it is so important to understand and accept our experiences and let go of our need to know why. I'm so glad we're walking the path towards healing together. So just a quick reminder, I'm not a clinician, counselor, or physician. I'm a certified trauma and resiliency life coach with lots of lived experience with trauma. Also, the information presented in this podcast is for educational purposes only and not meant to replace treatment by a doctor or any other licensed professional. All right, let's dive in. In the last few episodes, we've talked a lot about different aspects of relationships, particularly those involving abuse. Many of us have been abused and neglected throughout our lives by family members, friends, partners, and others. And I know something I really had trouble getting past was this deep-seated need to know why I had been abused and neglected by those people in my life. I would do this weird thing where I would replay scenarios over and over again in my mind where I confronted them and I'd pour out all of my hurt, pain, confusion, and anger to them. And in my mind, they listened, then began explaining to me what had driven their behavior. This began when I was really young, especially around my dad's behavior. His abuse towards my mother, his drinking, his abuse and neglect of me and my sister, his job moving us around all the time. I just didn't understand why all of this was happening. I didn't understand why I had to be the parent and care for my mom and raise my sister until her death at six. I was so angry and I had no clue what to do with it all. This desperate need to know kept on throughout my teen years and spilled over into my abusive relationship. I fully expected at some point I was going to demand and get the answers I wanted and needed. In my mind, this was the only way I would ever be able to move forward and get through my trauma. Boy, how wrong I was. Really, when you think about it, what reason or explanation would ever be acceptable as to why someone has abused you? There's an expression that I see and hear posted a lot on Facebook and other social media sites. Hurt people hurt people. I can't stand that phrase. There are so many of us who've been extremely hurt and abused, but we don't hurt other people. As a matter of fact, we go out of our way not to because we know how it feels. We help others lift each other up in spite of everything. Of course, everyone has moments of anger and frustration and it can spill over onto others. That's just being human but it isn't willfully and deliberately causing another person physical, 
mental, emotional, environmental harm as a way to control them. There isn't an excuse for abuse, period. So my first aha moment came when I confronted my dad. And I know I've mentioned this before, but even as an adult in my 30s, I was terrified of actually telling him how I felt. This lifelong conditioning of, we're not going to tell this to your dad from my mom literally made me clam up around my dad. No matter how badly I wanted to say something, the words just would not come out. I don't know what I thought was going to happen, but I just couldn't tell him how I felt. Things were complicated even more by his wife. Six weeks after my mom died, he told me he was seeing someone and that I needed to get into the house and take whatever I wanted of my mother's things because he was moving this person in and any of my mom's stuff was going to get pitched out. I spent an agonizing week going through every item of jewelry, every picture, her clothing, her furniture, and it was awful. My grief and pain were still so fresh and raw and physical, like something you could touch. It was awful, but I took everything, even though I had no room for items like her furniture and piano. I took it all. The only thing my dad wouldn't let me take was my mother's prized possession, a beautiful cherry wood hutch that belonged to her mother my grandmother Fitzgerald. My mother had always talked about how this would get passed on to me when she was gone and then I could pass it on to my children and it would just stay in the family as this beautiful family heirloom. I begged my dad to let me take it, but he said that she was planning on using it. We did have a discussion, however, that he said he would put into his will that when he died, the hutch would come to me. That didn't happen, however, and the memory of what happened to that hutch still hurts. So my dad and his wife decided about 10 years ago to move to an assisted living facility. So they were going to auction off all of their belongings and sell the house. I mentioned the hutch and just assumed that I would be getting it. And what he said next stunned me. He said that he didn't care for how I had treated some of my mom's things and that the hutch would not be coming to me. It would be sold at the auction. What he was referring to was the fact that when I took all of my mom's things initially, I was living in a 750 foot square house. It was tiny. So I had to store lots of stuff in the garage. I had no place to put it. But if I didn't take it, he was going to throw it out anyway. So living in rural Ohio, no matter how carefully I stored things, I lost stuff due to mice and other critters. This was not my dad speaking. This was his wife. She couldn't stand me. And the feeling was mutual. She was not nice or decent to either me or my children. When they married, she took control of everything, and my dad was happy just being the 
backseat driver in life. Regarding the hutch, I don't think my dad would have cared otherwise. So that hutch, that piece of my mother's beloved family history, was sold at auction for $150. The same thing happened with our family business that my parents, my husband, and I started in 1989. My mom died in 1991, so for 10 years, it was my dad, my husband, and myself. The agreement was that when my dad was ready to get out of the business, it was to come to us. And that was the belief and agreement until one day, my dad came into my office and said he decided to not only sell the business, but he had a buyer for it. Again, my husband and I were both stunned. We were kept on by the new owners just long enough for them to get a handle on things. First, I was out. Then my husband was out. My husband and I both knew who the real driving force was behind that decision. On his own, again, I don't believe my dad would have thought that way. Sorry, I had to get that out. Those were big need-to-know-why moments for me. Now back to the subject. So going back to confronting my dad. Even though we only live five minutes apart, I wrote him a letter. Remember, I clammed up and couldn't tell him how I felt. I also, in the letter, included printouts of the effects of abuse and neglect on children, PTSD symptoms, and some other information. I made sure to highlight what it impacted me and why I behaved the way I did when I was a child and teen. I mailed the letter, and then I waited. It took him about two weeks to respond. He called me and said he'd gotten the letter, and he guessed we should talk about it. So we met for lunch at a little local place. When I walked into the restaurant, a wave of dread washed over me. This was it. This was the moment I had been waiting for all my life. It was here. What would happen? What would he say? What would I say? I don't remember all of the details of the conversation and how it began, but I remember going over the points of how abuse and neglect had affected me as a child and how it made me behave. For instance, as a child, I had frequent meltdowns. I was terrified of everything and had no one to help me or show me how to deal with my feelings. I recounted the constant fear, hypervigilance, the bullying I endured in every new school, how the frequent moves affected me, mom's illnesses, his drinking and yelling, all of it. His response to me was that, yes, he knew what he did was abusive, but it was all he knew. He also told me that I was a difficult child to love and that your mother and I never should have married and had children. Really? There was no, I'm sorry, no accountability, no ownership of anything. So there I was, left with that, to sit with it and process it. There was no moment of connecting, no real resolution. 
What he said just laid there like a big blob or a lead balloon. So now what? What do I do with that? It was then that I realized that I would have to take what was offered and either A, continue to rail against the unfairness of it all, or B, try to find a way to make some peace with it. It did help that I finally laid out all of my cards on the table, so to speak, and had gotten all of that snarl and mess of things out to him. So there was that. I also realized that this was the only thing I was ever going to get from him. He was never going to be the dad that I wanted or needed, the one I'd always wished him to be. And I told him that too during our discussion. At this point, it was up to me to decide if we were going to have any kind of relationship going forward. I couldn't bring myself to cut off my relationship with him. I realized at that point that I was going to have to let go of some of my feelings and beliefs. So that's how our relationship went for the remainder of his life. I moved to Phoenix over 10 years ago, and I never physically saw him again. We kept in touch by phone. The last year of his life, he got really sick, and we talked often. There were lots of I love yous at the end of our conversations, which was good. He died suddenly in 2021, and I still have this kind of tug of war in my heart over him. Again, I have to remind myself that the person who is gone is not exactly the person that I miss. So on the heels of this understanding, there began to be even more understanding and self-awareness around lots of other things that happened to me in my life. I was never going to understand, for example, why my abusive partner hurt me and tortured me the way he did. After I left the last time for good, I never spoke to him again. And if I had, just like he'd done many times before, none of the apologies or tears or explanations or even threats made any difference. Same with the other people in my life that hurt me. As trauma survivors, we want validation and understanding from others in a big way. We want to be heard, understood, apologized to, empathized with. We want to know why. Why did this happen? Why did you treat me this way? Honestly, in most cases, we are never going to get the answers we want, ever. Nothing, no matter how much we wish for it to, is going to heal those open wounds if we're looking outwardly towards those who hurt us to make it right and to heal us in some way. We have to find our own way through that minefield and come up with our own conclusions heal our own wounds and hurts. It sucks, but it's the truth. That's why it's up to us to figure out how we can heal ourselves. It's hard, very, very painful work. And hopefully we have supportive people around us that we can rely on for help and guidance. That letting go of our need for answers, that drive in us, that begs for someone to make sense of it all to us, 
comes from us. So we have to find some way in our minds and hearts to accept that what happened to us was wrong. It did hurt and damage us. And then we have to let go of our need for those answers. The only way to find peace is within ourselves. We really do internally have all of the answers we need within us to move forward. We don't need anything else to be able to grow. We learn, we understand, we acknowledge our experiences, and we self-validate. Then we give ourselves the space, the grace we need to allow that growth and healing to happen. So this is where I'd like to close us out with a new exercise that we can add to that mindfulness toolbox we're building together. Remember, you don't have to do this now or at all if you don't want to, but you might just listen and tuck it away in your mind for future reference. This is a visualization exercise called a body scan. This is a grounding exercise designed to get you connected to your mind and body. You can do this with your eyes open or closed, whatever feels safe and comfortable for you. If your eyes are open, you might just rest them gently on something, maybe something not too busy, like a wall or a door. This can also be done either seated or standing, whatever feels right to you. Your body should be in a relaxed state, muscles loose. If you feel any tension in your body, gently stretch that area to release the excess energy. We always start with our mindful belly breathing. Breathe slowly in through your nose, your belly naturally pushing out as you inhale to a count of five. Hold your breath for a count of one. Then slowly exhale out of your mouth. Your belly should naturally move in as you exhale to a count of five. Do this five times. Next, I would like to invite you to picture a bar of light, like the scanner bar light on a printer. Visualize it over your head. This light can be any color you wish, whatever is safe and comforting for you. Next, See this bar of light coming down, starting at the top of your head, moving slowly downward. It's a pleasant, warm sensation, gentle, soothing. Feel that warmth moving down your head, over your face, down past your nose, past your chin. See the light bar in your mind in your soothing color as it moves downward. Continue letting your breath flow slowly in and out. Next, the light passes down your neck, down your shoulders, over your chest. 
Feel the gentle warmth as it passes down over your heart area. The light bar extends across your body to include your arms as it moves down. The light now moves down over your stomach area, down your arms, into your hands and fingers. Continue letting your breath flow. Feeling the warm, gentle, soothing light now move down over your hip and pelvic area. Slowly moving downward. Slowly breathing as you feel that light move down. The light moves downward slowly over your thighs. Moving downward over your knees. Down your legs. The warm light moves downward to your ankles, feet, and toes. Next, if you'd like, you could gently stretch out your muscles to release any leftover tension. Gently reach up to the sky with your arms extended upward and tighten your muscles gently, then release. Give yourself a stretch like you might do when you first wake up in the morning and think about how good that feels. Bring your awareness slowly back to your breath. If your eyes were closed, slowly open them. How do you feel? Do you feel a bit more centered? A little more grounded and relaxed? I hope this exercise was something you found helpful and it's more tools that we're adding to that mindfulness toolbox we're building together. Remember, whenever you need to go to that toolbox and pull out any skill we've learned in order to feel more grounded, safe, and connected, do it. It's yours. You've created it. It's there for you to use when you need it. I've created a list of all of the exercises and put them on my website, InvisibleWoundsHealingFromTrauma.com, and I'll keep adding to it as we go along. I also take each exercise portion and put it to beautiful music and video and include it on my YouTube channel, also called Invisible Wounds Healing from Trauma. Please like, subscribe, and share widely if you like what you see and hear. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen today. And please keep on listening. Wherever you listen, please like, subscribe, favorite, and follow me. And what you think really matters to me too. So comment on the show, whatever you think, let me know what's on your mind. You can find me on Facebook at Invisible Wounds Healing from Trauma, Twitter at Carrie Walker 58, and my website, Invisible Wounds HealingFromTrauma.com. Look for my new episodes dropping every Monday on all of your favorite podcast, music, and listening apps. Please take extra good care of yourself. And we'll talk soon.